Hello and welcome to Vegas Odds Football. I'm your host, Daniel Ocho, and this is the first annual NFL Propapalooza. This week, I'm going to be running through a series of prop bets ahead of next week's NFL opener. We're going to be talking about MVP bets, Offensive Player of the Year, Depoy, most passing yards, all sorts of prop bets. I'm going to have you completely covered from front to back, 30 minutes of nothing but prop bets ahead of the NFL season opener. I'm excited to dig into some of these props. Uh, Let's make some money and let's jump in. So this is our first annual Propapalooza. I'm going to be breaking down all sorts of prop bets, beginning with the MVP, most valuable player. Looking at this year's stats, uh, the favorite for this year's MVP award, according to FanDuel and all these other sports books, is Josh Allen. Uh, He's plus 650, I'm seeing in a lot of books. If you look at guys like Aaron Rodgers, the defending two-time MVP, you could actually cash in on him with some value the last couple years, and that's true again this year. I think he has seventh or eighth best MVP odds, despite, you know, being a defending two-time champion. The NFL and the odds makers, I think, recognize sort of how difficult it is to repeat as MVP of the league, uh, let alone do it three times in a row. So that's why we're seeing the books favor guys like Josh Allen, guys like Patrick Mahomes, who is the second favorite. And then we have Justin Herbert as our third favorite. So interestingly enough, if you look at some of these MVP favorites, you really have to think about what the odds makers were thinking when they set these lines. So Patrick Mahomes, they're thinking that people are going to tell themselves that This is a guy who has been basically the best quarterback since he stepped into the NFL, and he's going to continue on that trajectory, even without his top weapon of the last couple years in Tyreek Hill, with Tyreek Hill moving on to the Dolphins. The third best odds that I see here are Tom Brady at plus 800. The story of the book here is telling that Tom Brady keeps it up for another year. This is a guy who, at age 43 last year, led the NFL in passing yards, and he continues to dominate with that amazing skill group position they have down in Tampa. Next up, we have Rodgers at plus 900. There's an easy sell there. This is a guy who's won two straight MVPs. Josh Allen at our top odds at plus 600. I think a lot of people, myself included, are selling themselves on the Bills and the version of the story where Josh Allen takes another leap and takes this Bills team to utter domination from front to back, and this team ends up winning the Super Bowl atop a Josh Allen-led MVP campaign. Next up, we have Justin Herbert, plus 900, with the same odds here as Aaron Rodgers. I want to key in on these guys because I think this is really where we should be looking for MVP bets. I want to give out sort of a favorite, a middle-tier pick, and then a long shot, all of these award picks. And the first of those, at least for MVP, is going to be Josh Allen. I'd like to put a relatively hefty wager in on Josh Allen to win MVP at plus 600 because I think if anyone's going to win it this year, everything lines up for Josh Allen. The Bills are going to be probably the best team in the NFL this year. Everything lends itself to that. That defense coming back, Stephon Diggs coming back, those skill players, even guys like Dawson Knox taking a leap uh, last year. They bring in Gabriel Davis, uh, takes another step, a guy they drafted a couple years ago. He's something like second in the NFL in targets from his draft class, despite playing not very many snaps over the last two years. I believe in the Bills this year, and that's why I can tell myself a story in which Josh Allen finishes as MVP at plus 600. One thing I want to briefly mention before we really dig into some of these props is the idea that when you're assessing player and team props, sometimes it's good to double, triple, or quadruple down on a team if you feel that you have a good read on that team. And what do I mean by that? 
What I really mean is if you think the Bills have a shot at just kicking the shit out of everyone and winning the Super Bowl, then there's value to be had here in throwing money on Josh Allen to win MVP, throwing money on a guy like Stephon Diggs, who we'll mention a little bit later, to win Offensive Player of the Year, throwing money on, uh, let's say, Devin Singletary props, triple down on some of these players, these teams that you think you have a good read on. So I'm going to talk about Jalen Hurts and the Eagles a little bit later, but that's another team where I think value is to be had because I feel like I have a relatively good read on that roster. So in terms of my MVP picks, I have three of them. Uh, Josh Allen, the favorite at plus 600. I think we already went over the story ad nauseum there. My next pick for MVP would be Justin Herbert at plus 900. It sounds strange to have this guy uh, have the same odds as Aaron Rodgers, especially with Rodgers coming off two MVP campaigns. But the books clearly buy into this public narrative that Justin Herbert is the next guy up. He is the next superstar quarterback. Everything he's done in the last two years is the kind of stuff we see from Hall of Fame quarterbacks early in their careers. He is on that Hall of Fame trajectory, and I think the next step for him is to sustain a high level of play over the course of a full NFL season, maybe lead his team to a top one or two seed, and win the NFL MVP. I want to throw money on him at plus 900 because I think there's value to be had here. I can see the narrative shaping before me almost. I can see the media telling themselves a story of Justin Herbert taking that leap and taking this Chargers team to heights it's never really seen since those MVP level Philip Rivers campaigns of more than a decade ago. Moving on, I have a few long shots I, I think are worth mentioning. And those are Jalen Hurts at plus 2,500 or 25 to 1, and also Matthew Stafford at 14 and 1. My reason for these two picks is. Because I can tell myself a story, a narrative, I can set one forth as to how each of these guys can win that award. First off, Stafford, defending Super Bowl champion. I can see the Rams going on a revenge tour and kicking the shit out of everyone. This is a roster with a limited window. This is a guy who is going to be in the second year of a McVay offense that they both spoke candidly about sort of struggling to really make work early in the year, sort of getting their footing. And I think those two guys working in tandem with a full offseason to really build each other up, uh, to learn from some of their mistakes in the regular season last year. People forget Stafford led the NFL in interceptions last year with 17. So I think I can see the narrative taking hold where Stafford and the Rams dominate the NFC, a relatively weak NFC, I think, and Stafford wins that MVP award. Now, Jalen Hurts is a little bit out of left field. I'm not sure that he can actually do this because I'm not sure that Jalen Hurts can actually play quarterback. Uh, I think anyone who watched him in the playoffs last year sees what I mean. He's not necessarily the most dominant downfield passer, and by, that's the most generous thing I can say about him, really, because he struggles to put the ball down the field. He struggles to throw the ball over the middle of the field. He needs to develop as a passer to be considered for this award. But what I'm betting on here is that I believe in that Eagles roster and what they've done from a roster construction standpoint. We've seen over the last couple of years with guys like Josh Allen, these NFL teams putting their young quarterbacks in a position to succeed, and those quarterbacks sort of taking that jump. Uh, the Bills put Josh Allen around Stephon Diggs. They brought in John Brown the year before that and sort of gave him these weapons to really take that leap, and we saw that MVP-level leap from these guys. I think this is sort of the craziest of the MVP bets I'll give you, but I think Jalen Hurts is a fun long-shot bet because if the Eagles are better than people expect them to be, if this roster, which many rank among the best in the entire league, ends up being just that, then you can see a narrative taking hold where that quarterback who's leading them to that level of play and maybe to a top-two seed in the NFC could be getting some MVP hype. So Jalen Hurts 25-1 to is a bet that I'm taking everywhere. 
Moving on, I want to briefly talk about the NFL Offensive Player of the Year. Once again, I'm going to give you a favorite, sort of a middle pick, and then a long shot one or two. For our favorite here, I'm going to go with Jonathan Taylor. He is the favorite uh, with this bet at plus 900. Uh, I think the narrative here is sort of easy. This is a guy who was the best running back in football last year. The Colts really relied on him to move that offense, to move the chains last year, and he stepped to the call. He was a first-round talent that ultimately didn't go there because we don't see those NFL running backs go in the first round anymore. But this guy looks to be the package goods. He is the kind of player that franchises are looking for in that first round of the NFL draft uh, who can shoulder that load offensively as we saw him essentially carry them to a near-playoff berth with Carson Wentz imploding. But For me, I'm not sure that I'm buying into Jonathan Taylor, especially with how Matt Ryan passes the ball to, he loves those sort of quick, uh, short routes from his receivers. I think Naheem Hines may cut into his workload a bit this year, but I think if you're going to bet on this on NFL Offensive Player of the Year, it makes sense to hedge some of these longer shots I'm going to tell you about with a little bit of action on Jonathan Taylor. My sort of middle pick here is Justin Jefferson at 16 to 1. The narrative you can tell yourself is pretty straightforward. This guy is another player who, upon stepping into the league, essentially immediately established himself as a guy who's on a Hall of Fame trajectory. He is a stud. He had over 1,400 yards as a rookie. Last year, he seemed to take another step. And the narrative here is that they're bringing in, the Vikings are bringing in Kevin O'Connell from the Los Angeles Rams, uh, a team that has done everything in their power last year to maximize Cooper Cup as a receiver, Cooper Cup in in terms of mismatches and how they're using him in the slot and, and using his athletic gifts to just dominate teams from all over the field, outside, inside, everywhere, putting him in a position to consistently dominate the defense. And I think that that's part of the reason, part of what appealed to the Vikings about Kevin O'Connell, that he could come in and use a weapon like Justin Jefferson has proven himself to be immediately in ways that just allow the, the Vikings offense to sing. Justin Jefferson, before he came into the NFL, was a guy who was regarded as, at the very least, at LSU, this sort of really good, really gifted slot player. Uh, He hasn't been playing that role since entering the league. He's been outside, on the edge, uh, a typical sort of ex-receiver that we see. And now, with how the Vikings may use him this year, I could very easily see him challenging for 20 touchdowns in the right situation. It's not obviously a likely scenario, but it is one I could very well see happening. You you can tell yourself that story and make it make sense. Finally, uh, my long shots for the NFL Offensive Player of the Year are another Viking first, uh, Dalvin Cook. And the case for Dalvin Cook is very similar to that of Justin Jefferson, right? This is a guy who has the proven pedigree, a multiple-time thousand-yard rusher, an extremely gifted offensive player. History tells us that in the age of these modern MVP awards, where it's essentially an MVP-only award, the league tends to gift the best running back with the NFL Offensive Player of the Year. So... If Dalvin Cook steps in to this new Kevin O'Connell offense, there was news today that Alexander Madison may be moving on to a new team, maybe traded. If Dalvin Cook can dominate that backfield as, as we've come to expect him to, he does get a lot of volume when he is healthy. I think there is a version of this where you could see Dalvin Cook maybe leading the league in rushing, maybe catching 50 or 60 balls. Uh, His reception totals have gone down each of the last four or five years. And my instinct, and based on everything we've heard out of Viking camp, is that the Vikings want to get him the ball in space, want to get him the ball as a receiver. So if his reception totals go up, he can add a number of yards through the air. I could very well see him making a case for NFL Offensive Player of the Year. So keep in mind, Dalvin Cook, those odds are juicy at 25 to 1. 
My final Offensive Player of the Year long shot is Stephon Diggs. I mentioned this before, but if you believe in a team, you should be throwing a little bit of action on everyone involved, right? Because you think that this team's really going to crush it, and by extension, everyone eats when the team is winning. Everyone eats in terms of awards, in terms of contracts. That's just how it goes. And if you believe in the Bills this year, if you believe that they're going to be a team that is crushing it all season, that dominates the AFC, that takes that leap in terms of being a front runner for the NFL championships the way we think that they should be this year, then I think it's worth throwing a little bit of money on Stephon Diggs to win NFL Offensive Player of the Year. This is a guy who led the NFL in end zone targets last year. If he connects on more of those this year, even if that number comes down a little bit with Gabriel Davis uh, establishing himself a little bit more as a receiver, I just see a world in which this could happen where we are rewarding Josh Allen with NFL MVP and we're rewarding Stephon Diggs, uh, his number one target who saw over 160 targets last year and doesn't stand to lose much of that volume this year as NFL Offensive Player of the Year. Moving on, let's talk briefly about the Defensive Player of the Year. This is always a fun bet because it's so sort of all over the place. We know the usual players. Uh, The favorite I'm going to give out is a personal sort of homer pick for me. It's TJ Watt at plus 700. The only story in which the Steelers are competing for a playoff spot this year is the one in which their quarterbacks uh, between Kenny Pickett and Mitch Trubisky are replacement level at, at the very least. And that defense carries them. And if that Pittsburgh defense is going to carry them, it's going to be on the back of TJ Watt, a guy who has established himself as maybe the preeminent pass rusher of of this modern sort of generation, Uh, much like his older brother established himself as the preeminent defensive lineman for a period. I look at TJ Watt and I think this is a guy who got robbed last year. I, I think he likely should have won this award last year. And maybe we see a situation where he dominates statistically again. And even if he's not as good as he was last year, where the voters see this as rewarding him for sustained domination over a couple of years. And I think there is a little bit of voter fatigue in terms of guys like Aaron Donald. I just wouldn't be shocked to see them give it to a guy like Watt, who they feel may have earned it last season. Two longer shot picks here are picks that I think reflect this overarching narrative of guys I want to throw money on. If I believe in a team that I want to double, triple down on them, and that team is the Chargers, right? If I believe that the Chargers are going to be Maybe the Super Bowl, if I think they're the team that could be right up there with the Bills in the AFC, dominating the AFC West, supplanting the Chiefs as that premier contender within the AFC West, then I'm going to take a few long shots on guys like Joey Bosa at plus 2,000 or 20 to 1 and Derwin James at 30 to 1 to win Defensive Player of the Year. These are two premier defensive talents in this league. We've seen Joey Bosa struggle to stay healthy and in many ways get past uh, in terms of how he is regarded within the NFL and fandom, at least, by his younger brother, Nick Bosa. Derwin James just got paid to be the highest paid safety in the NFL, and he deserves it. The way they deploy him, the way that Staley, the head coach of the Chargers, has used him in the past year is extremely impressive. And you got to also factor in that he's a defensive-minded head coach who was largely responsible for a lot of this shell-too-high coverage or or taking some of the Vic Fangio concepts and deploying them in a new and sort of unique way with the Rams two years ago. And he made the most use of Jalen Ramsey, the best use of Jalen Ramsey I've seen uh, since I started watching football. I would not be surprised to see year two of this Staley system on defense uh, to deploy both Bosa and Derwin James in ways that really maximize their gifts and put them in a position to, if this Chargers team is competing for the one seed or the two seed, have a shot at winning Defensive Player of the Year. 
So Joey Bosa, Derwin James, my long shots for Defensive Player of the Year. Let's talk now about most passing yards in the NFL. The odds on this are a little bit all over the place, but I enjoyed this bet because you can't really think of it as who's going to have the best season. You may think of it more appropriately as who's going to be throwing the ball a lot. Patrick Mahomes, for all the hay that's been thrown about losing Tyreek Hill and maybe this team's transitioning to a more run-heavy approach in lieu of Tyreek Hill, not having to rely on guys like Juju Smith-Schuster and Marquez Valdez-Scantling, I think maybe it's been a little bit overblown. This team's going to throw the ball a lot. The Kansas City Chiefs have been the most pass-happy offense over the last three or four years, and I don't see that changing because they have Patrick Mahomes. While I don't think that the Chiefs are going to compete necessarily to win the AFC, uh, I don't know if they have that level of offensive continuity or or talent right now to, to really feel confident betting on them. I'm pretty confident they're going to be in a lot of games, and I'm pretty confident they're going to rely on the arm of Patrick Mahomes, their MVP Super Bowl winning quarterback, uh, in in doing so. So I love Patrick Mahomes to lead the NFL in passing yards at plus 800, 8 to 1. It's a good bet. I think you could sprinkle a little bit on there and have a little fun with that one. Keeping in vain with this, I like Derek Carr to lead the NFL in passing yards at plus 1,000 or 10 to 1. This is a guy who he has all the weapons now. He has Darren Waller. He has Hunter Renfro. They bring in his college teammate, Devontae Adams. The weapons are all there. And for all the flack that Josh McDaniels has gotten during his previous tenure as a Broncos head coach, if you look back at what he was doing as a head coach in his last stint, this guy wanted to throw the shit out of the ball. He wanted to pass the ball. I understand that he sort of leaned away from that over the last couple of years with the Patriots, but That was largely a personnel issue. He couldn't trust in his quarterbacks. I believe the Raiders believe in their quarterback, Derek Carr. He's being paid like a superstar, and he played like a damn good quarterback last year and over the last several years. Nothing about this offseason, nothing about the tools they put around Derek Carr has led me to believe anything other than they're going to throw the ball. They are going to use those skill players, and they are going to air it out with Derek Carr, with Josh McDaniels. That's why I like to sprinkle a little bet on Derek Carr to lead the NFL in passing yards. My third NFL passing yardage bet is Matthew Stafford. Once again, this is about narratives. Matthew Stafford, second year in McVay's system. He was already quite the passer in the system last year. If the Rams take something of a step back, they're not dominating the entire NFL and they're not a one or two seed. We could see this team throwing the ball a lot. This to me is more about Stafford taking that next step within this system. For Stafford for, to go for two years in a row with the same offensive head coach, the same play caller, is a big step. He hasn't done this in, in quite a while. I think it was um, Jim Bob Cooter was was the last guy he had calling plays year to year for him, which is, you know, not not the best, not the best. So Stafford, uh, on top of all of, of his own sort of talents and being able to go to that next level, we also have a really bleak running back situation in Los Angeles. I believe in Daryl Henderson a bit as a talent but I think that's going to be a muddy backfield that efficiency-wise, Henderson can't stay on the field and Cam Akers is coming back from one of the worst injuries you can have as a professional athlete with that Achilles tear. So they may rely on Stafford, again, to throw the ball a ton and I could see him leading the NFL in passing yards. Now, moving on, NFL most interceptions thrown. (laughs) It's going to sound sort of contradictory here, but the first bet I want to give you on this one is Matthew Stafford at plus 1,400, 14-1 to lead the NFL in interceptions again. Okay, I get it. All I've done here is laud Stafford about the second year, but if things don't go right, if things are not perfect for Stafford, 
If you're looking at something like NFL most interceptions thrown, you generally want to look not at the guys who are going to be the worst quarterbacks in the NFL. You want to look at the guys who are going to be on good teams, who are going to be passing the ball a lot, who have a long leash. Because even if they're turning the ball over, they're going to be a guy who is either established for one reason or another to the point he's not going to get benched. He's not going to run the risk of losing that job. And Stafford fits the bill perfectly. This guy led the NFL in interceptions last year, his first year uh, with this McVay offense, because he was taking shots down the field. We know already early in camp, there have been reports of Stafford complaining of an elbow issue. So tell me why. Tell me why I shouldn't believe that there's a world where Stafford leads the NFL in interceptions. Why, why shouldn't I believe that that's possible? And at 14-1, I think it's worth throwing a little sprinkle on. Why not? Why not? And my next bet for most interceptions thrown is another sort of darling of the media, darling of the football world right now. It's Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow threw 14 interceptions last year, 34 touchdowns. He was a stud to end the year. He really put it together, it seemed. But anyone who was watching that Bengals offense throughout the season saw that the play calling can be a bit stilted there. And there are times that Burrow, as a player, tries to push the issue in a way that lends itself towards turnovers. And Burrow fits the bill of the guy that I just mentioned before, the guy who has earned himself an incredibly long leash. He's the top overall pick. He's two years removed from season-ending surgery. And more importantly, he got this team to the Super Bowl last year as essentially his first full season as a starter. So Burrow has that long leash. You could see a world in which I know he's throwing a lot of touchdowns, but he's turning the ball over at a relatively high clip. And he ends up leading the the league in touchdowns with something like 36 touchdowns and uh, 17 interceptions, much like Stafford did last year. Uh, We can see a similar stat line for Burrow this year in a relatively weaker offensive play calling system, and I wouldn't be shocked to see it. So that's why I I think there's some value to be had in betting on Joe Burrow at 20 to 1 to lead the NFL in interceptions thrown. Last two sort of big picture ones here. I'm going to go through most rushing yards. I talked about Dalvin Cook already. I told you the narrative there. He's 10 to 1 to lead the NFL in rushing yards. Uh, Now I want to briefly mention Nick Chubb. I know Nick Chubb, 10 to 1, similar odds to Dalvin. He's not in as good of a position, obviously, with Deshaun Watson missing time. But they're going to have to rely on him. The Browns are going to have to rely on their run game in lieu of having a starter-worthy NFL quarterback. So the storyline is there. For Nick Chubb to lead the NFL just in terms of volume, even if Kareem Hunt cuts into some of that passing down work, I think Nick Chubb could stand to see 20 to 30 carries every game this year because this offense just doesn't have any sort of passing attack with Jacoby Brissett at quarterback. That's the world that we could be living in as Browns fans or as people who are watching the NFL this year. So sprinkle a little on Nick Chubb to lead the NFL in rushing yards, sprinkle a little on Dalvin Cook to lead the NFL in rushing yards. Now, briefly, to step away from some of these player props, just some team props I have for you. I mentioned how I think some of these things are going to shape out. Uh, You can probably tell where I'm leaning. Uh, The AFC and NFC may be going in terms of my player props, but I love sprinkling a relatively hefty wager on the Bills, uh, plus 360 to win the AFC, and then the Chargers at plus 750 to win the AFC. The thing here is, every version of this NFL season that I have, uh, looking at the rosters, doing a full sort of offseason assessment of these teams, I don't see a world in which one of these two teams doesn't come out of the AFC. And if you could tell me that I could put a relatively decent wager on the Bills, who are the clear favorite to win the AFC at plus 360, and then maybe half that, whatever it is, at the Chargers at plus 750, and if one of those guys wins, I'm still in the plus, I'm still making money, I love that. I think there is so much value to be had there. Um, So I love both those picks. I'm super high on both the Chargers and the Bills, as you could probably tell by all my player props being relatively Chargers and Bills related. And that's how I think the AFC is shaping out. It's something I think you should keep in mind when assessing some of these team future totals. 
on the NFC side, I like the Rams at plus 470 to win the NFC. They're the second or third favorite, actually, behind the Packers and the Bucks. The Bucks are already dealing with a lot of offensive line issues. People love to bet on Brady because he's Tom Brady. And the Packers, we know what the Packers are. They're, they're missing their number one option on offense. They're going to have to rely on guys like Alan Lazard to carry the load at receiver. And I don't believe in, in that Packers receivers room or its ability to get this Packers team over the hump. They couldn't do it with all the pieces last year, with Zadarius Smith, with Devontae Adams. You can't convince me that now they should have just as good of odds to win the NFC. So I love the Rams, who didn't take that significant of a step back despite winning the Super Bowl last year. I know a lot of things had to go right for them, but I believe in the Rams, I believe in McVay, and I believe in Stafford. So give me them plus 470 to win the NFC. Two long shots I love to win the NFC. First one goes to my doubt of the Packers, and that is the Vikings plus 1,700 to win the NFC. Why am I betting on the Vikings? The Vikings have her cousins last time I checked, and I know, I know that. But I believe in Kevin O'Connell. Everything about that camp, everything about these early season prognostications has changed my tune on the Vikings. I heard Sean McVay say that if he were would to have retired to take the bag and go call games for Amazon last year, it would have been Kevin O'Connell who took over for him. So I believe in, in maybe sprinkling a little bit on the Vikings at 17-1 to 1 to win the NFC. And my final long shot to win the NFC is the Eagles at plus 950. So at 9.5-1, the Eagles have one of the best rosters in the NFL. You could see a world in which the Eagles win the NFC East. They find themselves in a fortuitous matchup the first weekend, and all of a sudden they, they get a little hot at the right time. Obviously, a lot of things have to go right. Namely, Jalen Hurts has to be that guy. So if you believe in the Eagles. Uh, there are a lot of Jalen Hurts props that, that are worth sprinkling some money on just because if the Eagles are going to be that team contending late in the season, a lot of things have to go right for them in terms of player props, in terms of totals for their players. So keep in mind, if you love a team, go all in with them because there's money to be made there. There's money to be lost there as well if, if you have a bad, bad feeling on that team, but still just to keep it in mind. Let's run through some quick player props before we go. We've gone through so many already, but I love Adam Thielen under seven and a half receiving touchdowns. He's a 32-year-old wide receiver who's already been banged up. If he's on the field, he scores, but he's 32. We start to see that uh, degradation of, of talent at that level. Uh, these receivers who age 32 and up, they don't really have it anymore. And I think that with Justin Jefferson stepping into the role of the true X on that team, Thielen may be pressed for, for opportunities to score those touchdowns. By the same token, I love C.D. Lamb over seven and a half receiving touchdowns. He had six receiving touchdowns last season on only 120 targets. That number just has to go up by volume alone. I know that touchdowns can be something of a, a luck statistic, but it's also a volume statistic. So I see CeeDee Lamb easily going over 150 targets this year. And if he's seeing over 150 targets, he had six touchdowns last year. The opportunity is there for him to score at least eight touchdowns, possibly double digits. I, I see him being much closer to double digits than I do uh, this seven and a half number, but CD is the guy. There's so much of a target vacuum there in lieu of Amari Cooper leaving and with Michael Gallup not playing or being limited early in the season. So over CD Lamb, seven and a half receiving touchdowns on the year. Stephon Diggs now, I have him over eight and a half receiving touchdowns. I've talked about the Bills. I've talked about Diggs ad nauseum, but I, I just love the opportunity here. He led the NFL in end zone targets last year. He, I think he had nine touchdowns last season. I just see him going over. I see this Bills offense really being lights out front to back and Diggs being a main beneficiary of this offense and of this offensive domination that this team has. 
Finally, one of my last couple picks here, I have Austin Eckler under eight and a half rushing touchdowns. Last year, Eckler scored 12 on the ground. He had never scored more than three before that. I think we see some touchdown regression here. Uh, Eckler has talked a lot about getting his opportunities down in terms of uh, getting some help, getting some other backs on the field so he doesn't get injured. Uh, He seems like a smart guy. I could see him scoring more through the air uh, to make up for those loss of rushing touchdowns, but his conversion rate of rushing touchdowns last year was insane. It was like he scored on almost all of his red zone rushes or goal line rushes, an insane statistic that I don't think is sustainable year to year. So Austin Eckler under eight and a half rushing touchdowns. Uh, two quick ones before we go. Sky Moore, rookie receiver on the Kansas City Chiefs, under 680 and a half yards receiving. For me, this just feels like a crowded receiver room. I think that the rookie receivers of the last couple years have broken people's brains and how we assess these guys. Guys like Jamar Chase, guys like Justin Jefferson stepping in and immediately being contributing players are not how the league always was. And and we shouldn't put too much pressure on a guy like Sky Moore to slot into a relatively complex Andy Reid offense and deliver the contributions that that this line is demanding of him. We have Juju Smith-Schuster there. We have Marquez Valdez-Scantling there. We have McCole Hardman, Justin Watson, who's been really good in the preseason. I just don't see Sky Moore demanding enough of a target share to go over this 680 and a half yards receiving. Finally, my last pick here, Derek Carr, over 29 and a half total passing touchdowns. I told you before that Josh McDaniels wants to pass the ball. All of his stats as a head coach indicate this guy loves to pass the ball. All the moves they made in the offseason indicate they believe in Derek Carr and they want to throw the shit out of the ball. So tell me why. Tell me why Derek Carr is not going to go over 29 and a half passing total touchdowns with guys like Waller, guys like Hunter Renfro, guys like Devonta Adams, maybe the best red zone receiver in the NFL. I love Derek Carr over 29 and a half total passing touchdowns. That's it. That is the last of my Propapalooza NFL prop picks. Uh, NFL season is right here, right around the corner. Next week, we'll be back with a guest to break down week one's NFL lines. Thanks, as always, for listening, and I will talk to you soon.